Welcome to the SNR Podcast. I'm your host, Salima Ismail. Today on the show, we have Dan Kramer, Safe and Reliable's Chief Technology Officer and the first person to build out Lens. Dan's team has a remarkable culture. They are collaborative, happy, and hardworking. And it comes from Dan recognizing the power of voice and teamwork, as well as some other formative experiences starting from a young age. My dad is a pediatrician, and he would talk to us a lot about his work. It gave me a good perspective on all the different things and trials and problems that he had to deal with. It was funny, though. I think sometimes when you're a clinician, you either have seen it all or have seen too much kind of an attitude. So he would have moments where if I was hurt, he would say, oh, I've seen worse, you know. If I hurt my leg and he said, oh, I saw a kid today, didn't even have a leg, you're fine. Or he'd go to the other extreme and he had a time where he had been seeing several kids had come in who had bone cancer. And so I was at school and I just kind of tweaked my leg a little bit and he was convinced that I had bone cancer. He took me in, we got a CT scan and they're like, well, I mean kind of just looks like he pulled it a little. He's like, okay, that's that's good, that's good to know. So having that exposure growing up and, and seeing all the different things that he had to deal with really made me interested in medicine. In addition to medicine, Dan had an interest in computers and coding. I like to play different video games. And back then, you had to know a little bit of how to program a computer just to get a game to run. So I would set different levels of the memory and load things differently depending on what game I wanted to play. Dan's father recognized this interest and gave him an opportunity to help expand his skills. One of the first jobs that I ever had was going into his office and helping out with all the paper filing and the different paper implements that he had in the office. And he wanted to digitize this. And this was back in the 90s when the electronic health record was not a thing. And so he wanted to put together all of these different records and patient stories and patient information into a single computer record. So he bought a copy of Microsoft Access, which is their consumer database program. And he said, let's build a patient record. That kind of gave me the bug to make a computer do what I wanted it to do. When Dan graduated, he started looking for work that combined his two interests. I was interested in the idea of computers and medicine, anything in informatics or the healthcare space. And I found an ad for a company called Theradoc. And so I started working there. Theradoc would do a lot of alerting based off of drug-drug interactions or different diagnoses that patients have. And in order to be smart about that, you had to know the common concept that was being talked about in the health record or the health encounter. Making all of these alerts work together was not an easy task. So it turns out medicine is complicated. Who knew, right? And I think a lot of the times people would come into it saying, well, we're able to share all this information between banks, no problem. Why can't we share information easily and readily between different health systems that we have in our hospital? For example... I have this patient medical record. I have this digital thermometer. How can I get the two of them to talk to each other and update each other on what is happening? Or, or how can I record these observations that I've done about a patient 
in a way that's meaningful for other systems to use. And the thing at Theradoc was they would go through all these journals, they would put together different alerts or courses of care or drug interactions that they wanted physicians or they wanted to surface up to the clinicians. But in order to know if an alert should fire, you had to understand what had happened. And so when a patient would get prescribed a drug, we had to understand what the drug was, what the condition that was being treated, the dosage, stuff like that about that encounter. And it turns out every hospital that our system would interact with could potentially encode or transmit that data in different ways. The problem was that these hospitals were lacking standardization, which is a problem that extends beyond only Dan and Theradox clients. The standardization is important to look at from the beginning because patients no longer stay within one health system anymore. They get care at different places. They get care at an urgent clinic. They get care at an emergency room. They may go to an outside physician for something else. But in order to get that whole health record for that patient to understand how many times they've touched the healthcare system, you need to all be speaking the same language. Dan and his team recognized and tried to address the lack of standardization from the get-go, but it was still a lot of work to manage. It was really important for us as we wrote these rules to have a standard language that would map onto what the hospital was doing. And so the first part of any engagement we would have with a hospital was getting examples of all the different kinds of encounters and events and vocabularies that they had locally, and then making sure that we had the equivalent standard mapping in our library so that when they had an event that said, patient had a cold right? And they're talking about a sinus infection that we wouldn't accidentally send an alert for patient is cold temperature wise. Here is an example of how badly things can go when even the simplest thing is not standardized. The one I go back to a lot is there is a hospital that would allow anyone who entered a patient's demographic information to put whatever they wanted for the state field. So this was a U.S.-based organization, and so they had a field for state for the patient. Charitably, you could say maybe I'd have under 100 different entries in this file, right? Because I could have maybe the full name of a state, maybe the abbreviation, let's say 100, and then maybe we'll times that by 10 just to capture all those silly three-letter, two-letter, different abbreviations. It grew to 10,000 separate entries. So this one file that was supposed to represent the states in America had grown to 10,000 entries. There was misspellings. There were uppercase, lowercase, three-letter, two-letter, six-letter, all different ways that you could think to represent a state. So you can imagine going from something as simple as 50 states to now let's describe the complexities of the human body and recognize that if you're not standardizing, you start to drift very quickly. But there is a much larger argument to be had for standardization beyond the work Dan did at Theradoc and later continued on at the VA. I think my time at Theradoc and at the VA doing standardization taught me the importance of speaking the same language, being able to communicate across 
disciplines, across teams, across education levels, across experience levels. It's all very important because there's so many times where you're passing things off to someone else. And if, if you're not sharing a vocabulary about what needs to happen and what has happened, that's where you have those opportunities to mess things up. And that applies to all the other things I've done in my career with if I have a project at work where I'm coding something up, it's important to know and to be able to describe where I've been, where I am, what I need to do. And this applies at home. It applies with the people I interact with outside of the home. All of those things is important to communicate and understand and have empathy for one another. If you don't understand someone or where they're coming from, or if you're not able to feel or experience that pain that they've had or those experiences they've had, it's harder to hear what they're saying. But the closer you can get to having that empathy, the less chances there are for misunderstanding or at least the better the conversation will be. You may not agree, you may not end up at the same destination, but at least you can know that you understood where they were coming from and make sure that you're responding to as much of the full picture as you can. After doing this important labor-intensive work for a while, a former colleague named Josh Prue, who is currently Safe and Reliable's Chief Data Science Officer, reached out to Dan with a new and exciting opportunity. One of the things that that really excited me about coming to Safe and Reliable was the opportunity to see how the things that we do directly impact the health and well-being and the burnout rate and the overall gratitude and health of these frontline workers who are so vital to providing this care. That really brought it to another level of me being able to feel like I was making a difference in providing a better work environment for clinicians and better care for the patient. Dan's main role was to help Safe and Reliable create a digital learning board to improve communication in healthcare settings. You may have heard of it. It's called Lens. I think some of the things I've learned making Lens is how important it is for people to see their voice. Each Lens board has a phone number that they could text words or a picture to. And seeing someone text in a picture or text in their name or say, I'm in or I have connection, and seeing that instantly pop up on the board and the look on the faces where they get so excited that that happened, that something they did has now live on this board for the entire unit to see. It just makes everyone feel more connected to the unit, connected to one another, and builds that culture so that they can go and do their job better together. Sometimes you'll see very sad announcements on there. Things like, we found out someone's cancer has progressed or so-and-so lost their parent over the weekend. Even those moments where people are being vulnerable and sharing the bad things also draws them closer together. They can mourn together. They can be sorrowful together. And that builds that empathy and that builds that emotional resistance so that they know, you know we're a team and we can do hard things together. Beyond building community, Lens also incites changes and improvements to a work environment. And what Dan learned is that these improvements do not necessarily need to be a big deal. Some of the changes that I've seen have been as mundane as a group that had wanted 
a trash can in their break room and had been asking or talking about it or saying, wouldn't it be nice if, you know, those conversations that you have where no one really knows who owns it. No one really knows what to do about it, but everyone agrees that it's it's a pebble in their shoe or it's a problem they're having on the unit. And shortly after we brought in one of our learning boards and amplified the voice of that unit, this was one of the issues that came up on the board. We need a trash can in this room. And someone raised their hand and says, I know where to buy a trash can. And someone else said, great, will you go buy a trash can? Here's some money. And they went and got a trash can and they took a picture. They took a picture, the entire team of them holding this trash can. And you would thought they had won an award somewhere with how proud all of them were to celebrate this trash can. But it was a great example, however mundane it was, of making something better in their life. One, by getting the trash can, but two, by showing them that they could go and get the trash can. It involved several people from the unit. It let the manager delegate. It let the person who bought it feel empowered. And so they had an outcome that they were able to celebrate. They were able to show this trash can and say, we made our unit better. Now, did that save a life? Probably not. But who's to say that when you go to work and you feel like your voice is heard, now you're giving better care. You feel like you're a valued member of the team and you can say things. If you see something that needs to be better, you could speak up. All the good Lens brings to others didn't come without a hefty price of effort. I've had some late nights working on Lens. I've had some hard moments where I was the only one who was working on it at the time and something needed to go out to support a client the next day. And so being able to write it up and have it work, it was very fulfilling. It's been even better having a team who can help me with that because we can do a lot more and a lot faster and a lot higher quality. But knowing that the bones of what I built have expanded so much is, is really fulfilling to me. Creating lens, coding up the team, setting our standards, setting the culture that we have on our team, I, I'm very proud of. I'm, I'm happy that people can talk to me about problems, that new employees feel like they can ask me a question or even make fun of me and know I'm excited for that. I'm excited to learn more for them. I'm excited to get to the next level. And so I've learned a lot making Lens. I've learned even more working with others on Lens and, and making it better. And Dan truly means it when he says working with the team has helped take Lens to the next level. It's been eye-opening to me how important other people's opinions about it can be, but also how much little serendipitous things can become a feature that you didn't know you wanted. So for example, the texting in of a picture to a lens board was never on our roadmap, was never something we were planning on doing, was never part of the experience, and yet we found a way to add it to the code so that we could easily accept a picture that was texted in. And that has been such a huge piece of lens that I never would have expected. Being able to text in a picture and see it on the lens board changed the entire dynamic of how it gets used. Similarly, being able to respond anonymously to a text message is a game changer for lens. We have a feature that came about 
because we wanted to be able to respond to someone who we didn't know had texted in. And being able to pull up a chat window that was still anonymous, but directed to the person who entered the issue has changed the way managers can respond to things, has helped people say things that might have been uncomfortable or not something they wanted to talk about but still be able to have that back and forth conversation and show that that people are being listened to. Overall, from both working on Lens with the team and seeing its effect on others, Dan has felt the true importance and benefit of being part of a community. I've learned how important it is to care about other people. We're not in this alone. No man is an island. Whatever cliches you want to put in there, but having that true understanding that a team is better than an individual, that, you know, you may be one in a million, but out there you're one of 11, right? To quote my favorite soccer coach, Ted Lasso, knowing that as part of a team, you can do more amazing things is something I've learned here because we have made amazing things with a small, scrappy team that cares about each other, that looks out for each other, that learns from each other. And so that's where the true power comes is when you work with others, you grow together, you mourn together, you rejoice together. Doing that as a team, it brings meaning and gives you fulfillment in what you do. If you would like to contact Dan Kramer or would like to submit any questions or comments about the podcast, please email podcast at srh.care. That's all for today. The Safe and Reliable podcast was produced and edited by me, Salima Ismail. Our theme music was produced by MonkeyMan535 from freesound.org. Special thanks to Dan Kramer. And a very special thanks to you for tuning in. See you again soon.